0: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adoption Hacks. I'm your host, Candace Laycock. Every season, I want to highlight a couple international countries that are open to adoption, to share a family story that has adopted from that country. And even though everybody's experience is so different, this can give us a real glimpse of what the process is like. So this season, I'm highlighting Ukraine. I came across Shanna's story online and knew she would be a great person to have on the show because she has nine kids and five of them were adopted from the Ukraine. So she's obviously got a wealth of knowledge and experience for us to learn from. Here's our interview.
1: All right, welcome, Shanna, to Adoption Hacks. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your family?
2: Uh, Yes, Um, we have nine kids. Uh, We have adopted five children from Ukraine between uh, 2015 and currently, and we have four biological kids.
1: So what brought you to adoption?
2: Um, my husband actually was adopted as an infant domestically through the foster care system, um, and I was actually adopted as an adult um, a couple years ago. And when my husband and I uh, met, when we had dated, um, that was just something that was very heavily put on both of our hearts adoption was something we were passionate about so we knew like when we got married that maybe at some point down the road you know years later that um that that would be an opportunity and something that we both had a heart for and you know we started our own family and it, there was um there was actually a, a situation um in haiti because we did a lot of mission work through our church in haiti and, and there was a little girl that we met in Haiti that we actually sponsored, and we were able to visit with her uh, when we would take mission trips to Haiti, and she, she actually passed away. Um, we were hoping that uh, at some point that we would be able to have all documents in place um, to adopt her, but because that was complicated, we very much supported her from afar. And when we had found out that she had passed away from an upper respiratory uh, infection, she wasn't able to get the medical care and and reach the clinic um in a timely manner that was really what um led us to to really pursuing adoption and and kind of the you know not the maybe one day it it really morphed that into we definitely want to do this and we need to do this now
1: you had biological children or just one at this point
2: we had four biological children. Oh, okay. Um, it, yeah, 2015, we we were still a family with four kids, um, and then when we started to pursue adoption, um, because of the loss that we had, mm-hmm. um, you know, had with Haiti, we we looked into Colombia, but Colombia at the time was kind of going through a transition of closing adoptions temporarily because mm-hmm. some kind countries do go through those phases and that led into ukraine our agency had asked us to pray and consider you know that country and we'd honestly never thought about adopting from ukraine yeah. so that's what led us to 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 even considering ukraine
1: okay yeah it's so interesting um earlier in this season of the podcast i did an episode about the top countries adopted from internationally and Ukraine was number five, and it surprised me because I just don't hear that many stories from Ukraine. I don't know, um, you know, if I just have my head in the sand or what, like, I don't I don't know why. So I'm excited to have this podcast and have a chance for you to, you know, share with us how to do it and what it's like. Absolutely. What were your experiences like adopting from Ukraine?
2: I guess being like a, a very new to the, the world of adoption, we had looked a lot into, you know. Fa- care first and we just really didn't feel like that's where God was calling us Mm -hmm. Um, so when we started you know really looking into resources with Ukraine there actually seemed to be quite a bit of successful transitions Um, the children were actually transitioning into uh, families very well Um, and that was something that you know we we thought that that was an interesting statistic Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is like Um, When you look at the statistics overall of Ukraine, there's so much that I think people are very naive to um, just the level of poverty, uh, crime, human trafficking, um, suicide rate is actually significantly high. And so once we started looking into all the statistics of Ukraine, it really pushed us to, you know, very much consider moving forward with that country because the need was greater than what we actually thought originally. Mm -hmm. Um, But. The, you know, Ukraine is a country that doesn't. Um, when when you get a referral, technically you don't get a referral until you're actually like in country. So you know, even if you get which we refer to it as like a soft referral, mm-hmm. like you know, there might be a there might be a child that that is on the. Um, you know the child waiting list that they that an agency may refer to you. You know, would you consider this child? However, Ukraine itself will not, not guarantee or even lock a family in until you're literally in country at the end of the process and you actually sign your referral. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually were given a soft referral uh, in the very beginnings of our first adoption, and we actually lost that referral, and that was really heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. Just you know, to be given pictures of of children. Um, it was a sibling set a boy and a girl. And, you know, to be, to be given photos and say, you know, these are the, these are the children that we would like to refer to you. And so you start your paper chasing process in hopes that those are the children that you will end up with. Mm -hmm. So we actually had, you know, a loss of, of, of that Mm -hmm. referral during Mm -hmm. our, our very beginning stages of our first adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was actually it was actually a couple of weeks before we traveled before our agency uh gave us um you know another another set of of children to consider which they were unrelated um and and so those are the children that we actually ended up uh pursuing and accepting referrals for once we were in country.
1: Okay. You did you go into it wanting multiple children? We
2: Okay. We went into it um with the approval of two children, um, because we we wanted to leave some room for God to work. Mm-hmm. So you know, if if we just went for one child, if there was another child that we met over there, if it was a sibling set, you know, however that would be. And with our family dynamics, we knew like adding two children to our family. But you know, that was kind of where we were.
1: Okay. Okay. So once your um, once I guess your your home study is done and you go through, like, the approval process, right after that, they set up a time for you to travel? Is that normally yeah, works? Yeah, once
2: okay. you, um, with Ukraine, once you finish and complete your dossier and submit your dossier process uh, and paperwork, and you're given the approval then for um, your SDA appointment, um, and then you travel for your SDA appointment, and you can go and you can visit child um, and then there's set times that you have to with any country that you have to spend time with your child over there um, you sign your documents and they basically send you home um, t- to wait for a court date. Um, Ukraine a couple years ago actually you could, you could you could go in like one trip maybe two trips uh, because the process from referral to court date uh, there used to be a 10 day wait period after court uh, when you could go and get your child but now that's actually been extended to thirty days. So currently, as of now, um, the process actually takes a little bit longer than it used to a couple years ago.
1: Okay, Got gotcha. Why do you think they do the in person or for all?
2: That's actually something that was kind of grandfathered in uh, from when Russia had open uh, when they were so open to international adoptions. Okay. Ukraine literally. Um, pretty much just stuck with Russian uh, process of, of adoption. Okay. So a lot of Ukraine process is what Russia used to do okay. and what Russia used to have in place.
1: Interesting. So those two children that you adopted during that time period, how did the rest of that process go? How, um, how old were they, first of all?
2: Okay, so Roman was three and a half, and mm-hmm. we were referred to him. We were, we were referred, and we were told that he was deaf so we went uh, in country assuming that this child was you know fully deaf Mm -hmm. Uh, he was three and a half and then we were given also the referral for Raisa which we call her Raya is her nickname it was actually her nickname in Ukraine and we just kept that um, because we thought it was adorable and that's what she was used to Um, she was actually not put on the database until we were in country just because her situation um, was, was a little bit more complicated and it had to be protected because of, of what happened um, it was like a year and a half two years prior to her adoption which I can stress on that a little bit um, so yeah like they were she was five at the time by the time that we were over there um, and she had a blood disorder so that was her medical condition when we went in so one child was deaf and one had a blood disorder
1: Um so then you come home, you wait for your court date, you go back, and were you able to finish the adoption on that trip or did you have to do a third trip?
2: Our first adoption we, we completed everything in two trips. Okay. Um we we contemplated staying there um in country because we were hoping that that all documents even after the 10-day wait, because we could have still visited with the kids during that time, since mm-hmm. it was only 10 days. Uh, but there was still some complications with Raya's uh, paperwork. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they sent us home saying, we're not sure when you can come back. Um,
0: mm-hmm. it,
2: it all depended on uh, when we when they could obtain her um, original birth certificate Was ac- was actually in, at the time, still a region that was controlled by Russian separatists. So, you know, we came home. Home, not knowing when we were going to go back to ukraine to get our kids okay <laughs> which thankfully uh we weren't home for very long so mm-hmm. that was a blessing
1: yeah do you want to go into her situation now or- yeah
2: i can explain um so once we were in country and we were given the referral um to go visit raya the day that we went to visit her she was actually uh, in the hospital which is not normal for families to do their first visit in a hospital mm-hmm. uh she just had a routine test uh, that she's that that she was um, scheduled for every so many months. Uh, so we actually were in the parking lot outside the hospital, um, and our facilitator had said, "You know, now before we go in, I need to tell you about her story." Which with Ukraine, um, once you're at the SDA appointment and you go through your paperwork, you're only basically given very minimal detail. Mm-hmm. You really don't get your children's full. Um, you know, full detail of their history until after court and after all the documents are translated. Right. Um, so it really is a, a huge step of faith. So yeah. we were sitting in the parking lot, and our facilitator um, had said, um, You know, your soon to be daughter uh, was actually held hostage for three days by Russian separatists during mm-hmm. when the war broke out. Wow. And what had happened was um, her orphanage. Um, was actually taken over they were held hostage um, the children were moved up to the top floor uh, which served more as a human shield um, mm-hmm. where the the Russian separatists were in the lower part of the building um, and, and they did that during the war uh, churches hospitals uh, orphanages were actually Um, taken under siege because it was kind of a a no bomb zone, no Mm -hmm. shooting zone Um, so her orphanage specifically there was about 160 kids total and they had advocated for it was less than 40 uh, children to be released because of medical conditions Mm -hmm. so after a lot of negotiation um, those children were released uh, but they were actually stopped on the road Um, in a bus and they were held hostage for three more days on the bus before they were released again Um, so you know our facilitator was telling us the story and we could not believe that that actually happened because it just sounded like such this foreign concept that we're just not used to here Mm -hmm. and um, so you know she our facilitator she had said you know I can't give you specifics but I if you want to go back to your apartment afterwards and research this um, we actually uh, found with the information and that she kind of gave us, you know, on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually found the rescue video of the kids, and we actually saw our daughter in the rescue video. Wow! Um, so that was just the surreal moment, you know. And then, of course, you know, we're trying to absorb all this right before we meet her. Um, and it, it just wasn't the typical. It wasn't the typical process that most families go through mm-hmm. when they're, you know, adopting their their child from. Um, to actually see, you know, a rescue video when the war broke out and all mm-hmm. of that. So that was just this very uh, monumental moment
1: for okay. us. Oh my goodness. And how old was she at the time?
2: Um, She was five when we adopted her, but she was uh-huh. three and a half We're when all of been. that uh, broke out with the war in Ukraine okay, and, and her that. rescue.
1: Did she retain any of that? Did she have any memory of that or no?
2: Um, What we could tell was um, she she did have some issues with food uh because there was because there was a lack of of food i think in general but yeah. you know during the time that they were held hostage it was i i think a lot of that from what we can tell uh fireworks um mm. with with honestly with all of our children that we've adopted uh fourth of july and fireworks until they understand what that is like if it's in the neighborhood mm-hmm. it really rattles them
1: yeah
2: um a lot so we you know we had asked uh you know what what do we need to know before we bring these kids home? And you know, a lot of things that they you don't really know until you actually bring them home, and you're living in that, yeah, um, in that that transitional phase. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so there was definitely you know some some uh, aftershock effects and, and traits in her personality that we could definitely see. You know, that we had to help her work through. Yeah. So
1: okay well so um are all of the children in ukraine in orphanages is there foster care at all or no uh
2: in ukraine yes they're their foster care system which i know they're working towards making it better Mm -hmm. but a lot of uh the foster care situations over there are not what we would think that they are okay um and you can't adopt out of foster care um so our our son that we adopted, Roman, who, uh, which he's actually severe hear- hearing impaired, not fully deaf, um, he actually had older siblings that were in a foster care system, and we were not allowed to have any information on them whatsoever. Oh, I see.
1: Is there, like, a process, like, which kids go to foster? Is it at a certain age they go to foster care, or?
2: I think a lot of it depends on just, you know, when parents, if if parents have rights, if parents' rights have been relinquished. Um. um so, like, our daughter that we brought home uh, just a year ago, um, it was actually her and her older sister. Um, our, our youngest, Sophia, her orphanage actually did not, they were not very supportive on international adoptions, mm. and they're... Uh, orphanage actually was hoping to close and they wanted to place all of those children, the younger children, cause it was, uh, what they call like in the baby house. So it's infants up to age five, they actually wanted all of those kids to be placed in a foster care system, which would actually mean separation of siblings. Um, mm. so in Ukraine, um, you know, foster families can come in and basically choose a child, that they want to foster because they get paid mm-hmm. for the children that they foster um, in mm-hmm. Ukraine. So, you know, her situation, we were actually a little apprehensive um, that we might lose her in the process of adoption just because we know that Ukraine, Ukraine itself can separate siblings. However, families can't request to do that.
1: Okay. Interesting. What was your overall... Um, experience as with the orphanages and with the the people in ukraine
2: that's a good question um because we've because we adopted five and four of those children were all in different orphanages we got a really good glimpse into all four orphanages were very different mm -hmm. um one was like government run um we literally would have to, we literally would buy large boxes of chocolates to take them to our son's orphanage uh, before visits because the caretakers were, um, there were days where we weren't sure if they were actually going to allow us to visit him just because they might just be in a bad mood. Gotcha. <laughs> I wish I was being sarc- you know sarcastic yeah. about that, but it, it really was like this, this, you know, you hear about uh, corruption and bribery. Broad- um, in, in the, the country of Ukraine and we literally got to view that, yeah. you know, firsthand. So, um, mm. they're very sterile, very, in the government run orphanage that we had uh, adopted from. Um, it was very, um, not at all uh, cozy or um, welcoming or it was just very, you could tell it was just very strict and very tight run, uh, nothing soft about, you know, the facility itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Our daughter, Raya, um, I honestly, I hated going to her visits because the orphanage was so terrible. There were no lights inside. They, when we would go to our visit, we weren't allowed inside. Even if she had to use the bathroom, they wouldn't let her come back inside to use the bathroom. She would literally go behind a bush and go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Um, There was like burning traps Uh, They actually had a donkey that was on the premises that was just running, or not running, but just, you know, loose. So there was, it was just very, very dirty and not clean. And, you know, you could tell, like, food was probably rationed Mm -hmm. significantly. Um, And, -hmm. and, you know, the other orphanages that we adopted from, you could tell, like, it was kind of in that middle range between, you know, the government run and the, the one that was just... Horrifically awful. Yeah. So, you know, we... I, th- I think we left, uh, you know, the country with this, this vast view of, you know, not every orphanage is the same. Mm-hmm. Um, some caretakers are not willing to work with Americans. Um, and, and then some are actually supportive of, you know, wanting the children to have a family and be put in a family because, you know, especially for our teens who we adopted, um, our son that we adopted was actually there for um, about eight years, and there were caretakers there that, that significantly cared for him, mm-hmm. um, and actually wanted to keep in touch with us after we left, and, and actually will still keep in touch with us, and we send them updates, because they were just such a big part of his life, yeah. so we literally have seen on the spectrum from, yeah. you know, extreme negative to, to a positive.
1: Yeah, okay, so so yeah all over the place yeah <laughs> okay so um so once you got home with those first two at what point did you realize you wanted to adopt again
2: well we actually brought them home and I told my husband I was so done <laughs> <laughs> um which you know he laughed because well I actually said that after our third biological child and we ended up <laughs> having four um, so you know he just kind of you know let me have my okay you know we're done mm-hmm. um we actually, uh, came across, this, we, we met a family who, in Ukraine, um, connected with them who was actually adopting their child who they hosted through an orphan hosting program. Okay. And that was the first that I, you know, was kind of introduced to orphan hosting. Um, and kind of my heart opened up a little bit more to the older children and, and the teenagers, <laughs> um, so we were home. Uh, we came home in November of 2015. Um, I actually personally got involved as a volunteer with with uh, orphan hosting program that I had heard about and learned about through that family. Um, that following January of 2016, we hosted a girl from Ukraine that summer of 2016. Um, she was aging out, and so she stayed with us for six weeks. And then it was that following winter. So the Christmas of 2016 um, there was a girl uh, who was on the hosting list. Um, No one had inquired about her. Uh, She was going to be pulled from the hosting program within 48 hours. um, Needless to say, we ended up being that family who stepped in last minute. Mm. Uh, She was here for two weeks into the program and she asked to live with us. (laughs) (laughs) So we Um, At the time, she actually was not eligible for adoption, Um, so we weren't, we were definitely not uh, intentional on, you know, we're going to host this child in hopes that we could go through the other, you know, another adoption process. Uh, We literally were just, you know, going to give her respite care over the holidays, and she asked to live with us, so I think, you know. Both of our adoption processes are, are very different because, one, we significantly felt God's calling and stepped out on faith, um, you know, to, to, let's just adopt because this is what God's calling us to do. And then our second adoption was more of, more or less, you know, we were being obedient to God's word. Hmm. Um You know, we can't make any promises to this child, but, you know, he instructs us to care for the widow and orphan. So we went through our second adoption process more or less being obedient to God's word. And and if doors opened, you know, we would continue to walk forward. But if they didn't, then, um, you know, we would we would be okay with that outcome as well so that's that's how both of our adoption processes how how we kind of went into that in our mindset and where our hearts were but god just kept opening doors which was kind of funny because we really honestly didn't think expect that um because that wasn't what we were um not necessarily what we were hoping to do but it just wasn't what we had planned to do at that time um but he kept opening doors and we just kept walking through and then you know, here we are a year later, and we have three new children.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how did that happen?
2: <laughs> so, so we hosted um, our, our a teenage girl. She was fourteen at the time.
1: This is a different and, girl.
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is our our daughter that we now have okay. uh, we hosted her that Christmas uh, she was here two weeks she asked us to, she asked to live with us she also told us that she had a little sister which mm. you know we didn't know that at first so that was this you know surprise of mm-hmm. well what's the details on this um you know we did officially do the paperwork to inquire of her status just to confirm if she was eligible or not um and she wasn't going to be eligible until you know that following spring so we were obedient and we started the process again and and kind of just to see where where that where that would lead. Mm-hmm. So we were in, intentionally going to adopt uh, her and her sister and our friends we actually we actually our church actually hosted a group of kids from the same orphanage, which was so fun because we could get them together during the holidays here uh, in the US mm-hmm. um, And so our friends at church actually hosted a boy from the orphanage and we got to you know spend some time with him and just a great kid, very well-rounded, very sweet, respectful. Um, and he was aging out and it was, it's kind of a, I'll, I'll shorten the story, but um, God put it on my heart that, you know, uh, the day that he departed and he, and you know, we loaded the kids and, and we checked them back to the airport and said our final goodbyes. God put it on my heart that day that we needed to advocate for this boy. Mm. Um, and I never shared that with my husband. I just kind of let God work that out because I was kind of arguing with God about that. And, um, but my husband at a later point in the process, he's like, you know, he's like, I really feel like God's putting it on my heart that we need to at least be approved for three in case there's an, an, another child who, you know, m- <laughs> might have a situation that would come up. that you know. And so that's how, uh-huh. that was at that moment that we kind of swapped our stories, uh-huh. my husband and I. And So we had our facilitator uh, contact this boy and ask him, you know, if he would consider, uh, you know, accepting our family. Because he did meet us, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time together. You know, if he would accept us as a family. And sure enough, he said yes. He was like the big brother of the orphanage, you know, to Mm -hmm. all of the younger kids. Mm -hmm. Um, He was actually hosted previously in another season and we networked with that family and just asked, you know, like what was your experience, you know, along coupled with our friends? Cause it is a, you know, it, it's a, it, it's a huge step of faith when, um, when you bring teenagers in your home, because I think there's the stigma of the older, the child, the more problems that they have, or, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, I guess this more negative aspect of, you know, bringing an older child into your house. But, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's fair, especially now that we're, you know, living in it because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's every child transitions differently. Um, Mm -hmm. actually one of our younger children was definitely more challenging to transition and, and struggled significantly transitioning as opposed to, you know, one of our teenagers.
1: Yeah.
2: So, so yeah, yeah, that's that's how, that's how we ended up with three. <laughs> okay. The short version.
1: Wow, that's so amazing! And now you have nine kids in your family. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. what has that been like to, uh, to, and just, I guess, like three years go from four to nine, right? Or yeah. Four yeah. Year. I
2: mean, when we went to four to six, you know, that was a transition in itself. Um, we did adopt uh, through our agency was very strict on you know birth order mm-hmm. uh, when we adopted our first two. Um, so that was, you know, that was very challenging. Uh, you know, we had a child who we told were deaf, um, and then we brought him stateside and, um, here he actually just had profound hearing loss. Um, so, you know, just the communication with that transition with him was Mm. significantly challenging. Mm. Um, you know, our daughter, uh, Raya, she, her transition was significantly challenging just because, uh, you know, she, she had a lot of anxiety, I think, because of her, her previous situation. So that was, you know, she, she needed a lot of structure and a lot of security. And okay. um, so, and and then, you know, once you're kind of in a good groove, which, which takes, you know, for us, it took about six months before you kind of started to see, like, you know, everybody's personality is starting to, you know, settle yeah. um, and find their new role, and, and friendships are, are being developed, um, and, and kids are starting to actually, you know, love and care for each other, mm-hmm. um, and then, so when we brought our additional three home a year ago, you know, we had two two more instant teenagers, and then another, at the time, uh, Sophia was five, and then, so trying to transition her in, into the mix of five more younger kids, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it was, it was a lot, like, the first three months is just, such a blur. It's such a, you know, everyone's just trying to find their new role. And, yeah. you know, the first couple of weeks, it's, it's so exciting because, you know, they're home and, you know, see everything that you've went through finally come to fruition. And then all of a sudden, there's this tension mm-hmm. of, you know, once the excitement kind of dissipates, it's the tension of everyone trying to find a new role. In their place and, and their their purpose within the home and um, you know just trying to transition. The, you've got the language barrier and the you know just not feeling settled.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I think I think the the transition period the second time around with three kids. You know it was probably you know six months, eight months before you're really you're really going on all cylinders. Um, you're you're really starting to feel settled. They're in their new groove. Language is, has become you know, more fluent, uh, the connection is better. Cause I think the more children that you have, the longer it might take for the transition. Um, at least for us, um, it was yeah. just a little bit longer of a process.
1: More. Than well, it was yeah. The first time. They have more relationships to develop. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense. So
2: You know, we have, we all have, uh, good days and bad <laughs> days. And I mean, we don't ever have a day where everyone's always in a great mood.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, you know, with, with all the kids and you know, there's some days that they'll play very well together and other days, everyone's just kind of at odds. And, um, I think, I think one of the, one of the things that, um, is very misleading. Um, there's always this excitement and support that, you know, as, as families are going through the adoption process and they're, you know, if they're fundraising or they're, they're sharing their story. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in the, in the, trenches of transitioning children. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like everyone just disappears. <laughs> you know, they have this perception of Oh great, it's wonderful. You know, you're home and your family's complete and, and congratulations and, mm, and everyone's end. happy and well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then you have the months of of just trying to, you know, go through that transition and you're in you're in the trenches and you know, you need to protect your family and protect the children and and, and you know, you just kind of hunker down for a period of time and just try to adjust yeah. and everyone just kind of you know you feel like the whole world is just continuing it's like well wait you know mm-hmm. we're over here in the trenches struggling mm-hmm. and um, you know even though it is a, is a happy ending the hard part starts when you come home with your kids like yeah. that's the hard part the adoption process it is hard it's challenging I think it's, it, it's you really need a lot of faith and courage um, and grace to go through that process but the hard stuff is once they're home, yeah. and I think the the misleading part is if people who support who supported you just as much through the process could be just as supportive when you're home. Mm-hmm. You know, like how are you doing? Do you need anything? Can I make a coffee run for you because you're sleep deprived and stressed out? Yeah, <laughs> or you know, just things like that. And mm-hmm. and that's what you know when you when you're building relationships and connections in, in the adoption community um you know don't forget about those families after they come home like check in on them send them encouraging words continue to pray for them and their transition
1: yeah yeah that's really good advice and i think as we adoptive families are more real about what's going on i think that's going to help people understand their side of things and and how they can't help
2: yeah i used to watch our, our um and I know, like new new adoptive families. I think that I think we all kind of do this as as women, especially. You know, you're you're hungry for research and you're hungry for those videos. And mm-hmm. and you know, I used to love watching the homecoming videos of the, of the adoptions of, of the families in the airport and the you know, you've got your friends and family who are waiting to greet you and everybody's crying. And I I used to think like you know everyone this you know the adoptive mom and dad are crying because you know it's just this beautiful moment. And I'm like, no, they're crying because they're stressed out. Because like <laughs> <home> was awful
0: <laughs> that's so
1: true
2: so I mean it's, it's just moments like that 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 I I love connecting with new adoption adoptive parents because especially it's like I don't want to tell them this yet but one day we'll talk about this because yeah your perception changes once you go through the, through it
1: yeah for sure what are your thoughts on birth order like were you worried about disrupting birth order or um, not
0: really.
2: Honestly, I had read I had read a book on birth order before we even adopted. When we were actually in the midst of having our, our biological children, and I I just found it so intriguing that, and it just like it explained so much of our kids' personalities. Like mm-hmm. I love you know books like that. Um, so you know, it, it, during our first adoption, you know, it was like okay, you know, I wasn't overly concerned, but I I think I had more of a, a respect for the process. Our mm. first adoption, um but honestly like this our most recent adoption um kids adjust Mm. um and they they do kind of find their new role and so i think you know in some ways we have all all of our children are very dynamic and unique personalities um so we literally have to parent all nine of them very differently which sometimes is exhausting but um I really thought it was going to be maybe more of a problem and it wasn't. Okay. And I don't know if it's just because you're you're already in that transition anyway and you're trying to find your new roles. Mm-hmm. Um but because we have nine kids like it maybe it would be different if you had, you know, two kids and you adopted three and, and it messed up the birth order significantly, but for for us like you're already in that transition period anyway and they're they're trying to find their new normal. Mm-hmm. Um it honestly has not it, it hasn't been a, a huge stress to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we adopted out of birth order. It never crossed my mind. Okay, and and now I'm so much more open to you know what kids adjust. You know, they're if if you do it in a way where you kind of rally around their own personality anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can work around you know the the strong you know firstborn you know A type personality who's you, or the, the ones that are, like, a, of leadership skills or, or those who are, like, the middle kids who just kind of stay under the radar. Like, kids adjust so well. So, no, mm-hmm. I I would at least, you know, and, and again, sometimes agencies will not permit you to do that. But if you have an agency that does, um, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't close all doors okay. to adopting out of birth order.
1: Okay, that's encouraging to hear. What's the normal age of, um, of kids? So, at? normal
2: age usually is between age five and 16
1: okay
2: now you can adopt younger um based on medical condition because any child obviously for international adoption has to has to have some sort of medical condition that makes them eligible for international adoption um so ukraine in general unless there's you know a I don't want to say, like, a significant medical condition, but you can't just go in and say, hey, I want to adopt a baby. Uh, Mm -hmm. So Ukraine itself won't really necessarily advocate for that. Um, Now, Roman was three and a half, but he was considered deaf. So that's why, that's what made him eligible. Okay. Um, Ukraine adoption, their, their process of adoption is constantly changing constantly. Um, that was something that I was not prepared for. Um, and it's probably one of the very frustrating parts of adopting through, through Ukraine. You really kind of have to go uh, into that process knowing something might change. And that could either be a document request or a document redo or a law has changed and now they're you know requesting something different. We literally had uh, changes while we were in country with both of our adoptions, Ukraine <laughs> wow. is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Nothing is standard. Um, it is honestly one of the things that, um, you know, you, you find the, the closed adoption Facebook groups or, you know, the, the resources of families who are connecting. And so, so many families are, are, you know, communicating in these groups and, and they're sharing about their process and their will, well, you know, when we adopted, this is what you need to do. And I always hesitate and just say, listen to your facilitator. If you have a good facilitator and you have a good agency, things change so much that um, it's almost this dangerous aspect with the country of Ukraine, because so many people are wanting to offer advice or direction of what to do that, you know, you could tell someone the wrong thing because even though that was what you had to do, it literally could change like, you know, a couple of weeks later, constant changes.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. So this is definitely a country you just need to be calling agencies about and asking questions because they would know the up-to-date information.
1: Thank you so much, Shanna, for sharing this information. Um, I hope people find it really helpful and it helps them with their Ukraine adoption processes.
2: Yes, thank you so much for inviting me to share uh, our story on your podcast.
0: If you would like to read more about Shanna's family story, you can check out their blog on Life with the Littletons, L I T T L E T O N S dot org. Or you can search on Facebook for that same name, Life with the Littletons. I'm going to put both of those links in the episode show notes. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We are Gearing up for our season two finale. That's going to be our next and last episode of this season. Before this season's over, I'd really appreciate it if you could go on iTunes and leave a rating and review. That would mean a ton to me. I appreciate those so much. And check us out on Instagram. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can message me through Instagram or email me at adoptionhacksinfo at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.